0: Hi, and welcome to Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. Please join us as we explore how you can enjoy a happier life and a fulfilling career, things that aren't always that easy in our modern world. We'll be taking a look to
1: how you can explore well-being both inside and outside the workplace, how to prevent burnout, how to achieve true happiness in work and life, and so much more. So stick around.
0: everybody and welcome to Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. We are totally delighted to be joined by our second ever guest, Miss Sophie Bryan. Sophie is a, you have so many qualifications, I have to read them, a chief workplace happiness specialist and corporate yoga teacher as well as the founder of Montessori Mindset, TEDx speaker on Montessori in the workplace and we're so excited to have you here to talk about I think one of your three Montessori pillars at work which is curiosity. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah thank you so much for having me Sarah and Jenny it's a it's a passion subject for me so when you asked me to come on and talk about the c word it was a hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: so Sophie tell us why is the c word so important in the workplace?
2: For so many reasons Jenny but I think the first thing for curiosity is that being at work is a relationships game yeah how where we get our happiness from our sense of belonging it's it's around having one part is around relationships we can't build relationships if we don't step into curiosity and I think around you know a lot we're talking about kindness and compassion it's really quite high on the agenda at the minute We can't step into those places either if we're not curious. If when we see someone's behavior that you think, oh, that's really unusual, they're really acting out. And in fact, uh, Sarah and I are working on a project at the minute and we had someone do that the other day, Sarah, didn't we? And their behavior is really out of character. And instead of me and Sarah going, I can't believe he spoke to us like that. I can't believe it. And going on on a rant about how rude he was, et cetera, et cetera. We had to step into curiosity and go, okay, what questions might we need to ask about how we showed up? What questions do we need to ask about what's happening for him? So curiosity is the power of question. And I think if we can step into questioning more often, Outside of relationships, even even in terms of problem solving, creativity, not just taking that first thing on face value, but asking a question around what we're seeing, what we're feeling, what we've heard, then we end up in a completely different space, which generally tends to be so much more positive and productive than where we'd originally started off.
1: I love that because I think it's very easy, especially if somebody's acting uh, in an uncharacteristic way we immediately feel ourselves sort of tensing up and our emotions start to rise, sometimes in a negative way. And by stepping into that curiosity space, it helps to diffuse the intensity of that emotion so that you are able to actually step back and go, okay, what is really going on here rather than reacting? So it gives you that little bit of hiss space, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: And I also think... Even from um, thinking about innovation in a business, you know, this continuous evolution and growing, thinking about how organisations and people had to evolve over these past two years with the corona pandemic. If we aren't stepping into curiosity, we're not being creative. If we're not stepping into curiosity, we're staying where we are. And right now, the world is calling upon us to say, you can't stay where you are. You have to keep (laughs) evolving, keep moving. Otherwise, you know, things are going to break. Things are going to stop. And so for me, it just starts with a question in a team meeting to question something, to call out something, to understand why did that thing break it's just if we if we in a work environment spent more time in curiosity, I honestly think the world would be so much more compassionate, more involved, and we would have so many more solutions to the current day problem. But we're just not being curious enough, and I feel like part of that. If I'm if I may bring in my Montessori experience here, <laughs> is that. The education system up until a certain age allows us to question why. And then all of a sudden, as we kind of grow into our adolescence, we're told, no, stop asking me why. It just is the way it is. You know, as teenagers, when when your parents tell you, you can't go out dressed like that. But why? Because I told you so. And so it, if, even from that, we're just this why is constantly being pushed down. And we have leaders in organisations now where to ask why is seen as disrespectful, to ask why is seen as questioning the status quo. And actually what I think we need to do in workplace cultures now is exactly that, question the status quo, call upon those leaders and ask them why they're making these decisions. If we don't have curiosity, we're going to continue working in that same environment, which I think for many people is is not a
1: viable future. Mm, I couldn't agree more. I'm I'm curious to know. Um, see what, what you, you did there. Think, <laughs> what do you see as? And you've already sort of alluded to, to some of it. What do you see as the biggest reasons why we're not curious in the workplace? And I think you know what you've said about the education system is so true. You know, mm. we have the curiosity knocked out of us. As as we progress through the education system, although I'm hoping that's gradually changing now. But what, what do you see as the biggest obstacles to curiosity?
2: Okay. Oh, there's, there's so many answers to this question, Jenny. And I know I've only got a short amount of time to explain this. So I, I'll go with the most obvious, which I know will resonate with you and with you and Sarah, is around psychological safety. You have got to feel safe in that environment to ask. To say, why are we doing this the way we're doing it? What would happen if we did this? How can we change this? So there's that psychological safety around people feeling like if they step forward and ask a question and they question the status quo or they put forward an idea that's a little bit, a little bit out of the norm, that it's going to be received in a safe, compassionate way. So that's one thing because, you know, so many times I I go to webinars now or I'm on a training course and I hear people say, no question's a stupid question. But even having to say that is an indicator of where we are at with curiosity, that we have to say that to people to remind them it's okay to step into this space. That's the first thing. Second thing is fear of failure, fear of mistakes. So it's not just about asking the question. Curiosity is about go away and break the thing. See what (laughs) happens. What Mm. happens when instead of pressing the blue button, you press the green button? And and we have to be, in organisations, we have to be allowed to make those calculated risk-based mistakes. Now, I'm not talking here about negligence. I'm not talking about, you know, deliberately going against some fundamental rules that exist for health and safety reasons. But what I am talking about is what happens if we don't tick that box? Could we put that box over here instead? And I think because organisational culture has pushed people down to conformity, that people are too frightened to make a mistake. Mm
0: -hmm. Because
2: in so many organisations, the psychological safety doesn't exist. And heads will roll if there's a mistake. And I know, Sarah, you attest to this as well, that we should be celebrating mistakes in organisations. Thank Thank you so much that happened because we didn't know that was causing pain for our customer. We didn't know that was causing pain for you. We didn't know we could save money. So all of this, such curiosity is also a way of receiving such important feedback, which We don't exist in a feedback culture right now because we don't know how to give it effectively. So I think that's I think that's also part of the problem as well, Jenny.
0: Yeah. Can I jump in on that? There's just like two two things that really came up with that. One, I agree with everything you said. And uh, the second is it sounds to me and what I what I heard you say, which we all believe is that actually, we need to employ what you talked about in the relationship side of it first, Sophie. So you have to get curious about the individuals to build the relationship to then create this safe environment. And actually, until you've done that, you can mm-hmm. say, we're celebrating mistakes. You can say, we're curious. You can say anything you want. Mm-hmm. But I, th- my, my belief is that until you put those relationships first, actually Mm -hmm. that idea of asking those questions won't land for you know safe Mm -hmm. psychological safety fear of failure all of those things Mm -hmm. um and then you know my you guys probably know my role on here is storytelling right so (laughs) I want to just tell you about the story um I recently went to the um the um Wharton Business School Future of Work Conference and Adam Grant interviewed Satya Nadella, the uh, CEO of Microsoft, and they talked about how how they moved this culture along. And I loved this idea that what they did, I mean, it was a lot of work on Carol Dweck and mindset and moving from an organizational um, fixed mindset to an organizational growth mindset. And what they did was they rewarded safe risks. And Mm -hmm. so it wasn't about the outcome of the risk. And this is what you said really clearly to me, Sophie, was, I think that I heard you say was it's not about just breaking things and making things, but rewarding safe risks. Um, And that means risks that are worth taking, whether the outcome is positive or negative, but if you're learning from those risks. And so I really liked the idea of rewarding what you actually want um, and we've seen that with like, you know, celebrating or culture of, fail, you know, celebrating mistakes or the church of fail. I think one of one of those companies has done. <laughs> um, so yeah. So I just wanted to jump in on that. And and the last bit was I had that exact same thing. So um, someone called out a mistake and I was really annoyed. I'm like, no, I sent that email. But what that meant when they called that out was that they hadn't received it. And instead of, you know, sometimes people say they haven't received your email and that's not true. We've all been there. We've all done it. But this one made me go, it's not in my outbox. And then I looked and none of my emails had been sent for the entire week. Oh, no. So this person calling out the mistake and instead of me just being angry and hurt and going, hold on a second. What do you mean you didn't get that email? Where are the rest of my sent emails since <laughs> <It's> Sunday? <laughs> saved me. Saved me. That absolutely. And that being curious about what's happened here has absolutely saved my business this week. So I would totally agree with that. I'm um, sorry for jumping in. I just got really excited about those stories. <laughs>
2: Sarah, can I just come back on that one point you mentioned yeah. there? I, I loved everything you said there. And there's so many things again around play and the importance of play in all of this. Um, but maybe mm. I'll park that. I'll park that for a minute. I might <laughs> fit that in somewhere else. Um, but I just wanted to come back to your point around the psychological safety and the, and the order in which you can then launch a question, become curious. Because you're right. If if we all of a sudden just decide, right, I'm going to be more curious today but you haven't set the the environment for vulnerability, you can ask the question, but you're not going to get the quality of answer back. And so it really is about, from a cultural perspective in organisations, is setting the behavioural norms first, and then you put the curiosity on, on top. Because I could, if you two don't feel safe with me right now, you could ask me a question or I could ask you a question, but I would not give you my honest, truest version of that answer. And then you right. end up in a superficial organisation trying to repair things that aren't actually the truth. So I just wanted to come back to that, Sarah, because I think that's such a, a key point mm-hmm. um, yeah. that, you know, the relationships piece has totally got to be in place for curiosity to be as effective as it should be.
1: Mm mm-hmm. I've got another question for you, Sophie, and that's about beyond the psychological safety aspect, which I think is probably accounts for sort of 90% of why curiosity doesn't happen in some workplaces. There's also the instance where people are so overwhelmed with so much work and so Mm -hmm. much to do, or they've got to that point of they're verging on burnout and they're feeling quite apathetic. Yeah. How do you uh, encourage people in that sort of situation to mm. get curious about their own situation and also to look at what they could be doing to, to change that situation for themselves? Have you got any sort of magic sprinkle? Yeah,
2: well, <laughs> I've got, I've got, again, so many answers for this, Jenny. So the first one, I'm going to go bigger on this first before I, I bring it back down. And I think if we think about the organisational context first, you know, you've got people burning out, people are stressed out, they've barely got time to do their day job, let alone be curious about something and potentially go off on a different steer. And I find part of people not stepping into curiosity when they're in that space is because they have learnt that in previous circumstances where the organisation has asked their opinion has asked for their help, has said, tell me about your work experience. Your manager in a one-to-one has said to you, Jenny, how are you feeling today? To be honest, I'm feeling really burnt out. I can't cope with the work. Nobody responds to that feedback. So we've been conditioned to therefore not come forward with that anymore, to not share that, because what's the point in filling out a staff survey? around how we're feeling around the pandemic, when two years down the line, the last thing you heard about it was the communications bullying you to take that questionnaire. (laughs) And nothing's happened. So I think that's the first issue we need to solve is from an organizational perspective, if we are asking questions, for God's sake, do something with the answer. Yeah, because we're just teaching people that it's okay to ask questions, but no action comes from it. So that's the first thing. Secondly, for people that are experiencing burnout, I find, and this again is a cultural thing, that one of the best ways to deal with that is to have a coach, to be coached. To have You don't have to be curious. with You haven't got to instigate that curiosity with yourself. Allow somebody else to instigate that curiosity for you. So I talk about coachable moments rather than coaching sessions, because I think if you think about, oh, my gosh, I'm so burnt out. I can't take an hour out of my work day to go be coached by someone in my organisation. A coachable moment is someone stopping for a coffee with you for 10 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they just land a they land a question mm-hmm. with you and they hold space for you. And again, you have to have the psychological safety in place first. But, I mean, Sarah and I do this quite often, Sarah, don't we? When I'm, this week I've had some real brain fog moments and Sarah's just asked me one simple question and I've sat with it for 10 minutes. I've just kind of unloaded all this baggage and now now Sarah's enabled me to be curious about what's happening for me physically, what's what's going on, head, heart and soul, and then I'm better able to move on with that. So, yeah, I, I think it's the worthwhile investment When you are feeling so burnt out, so stressed, you can't see the wood for the trees. It's a bit like the research they have around meditation that if you take time out to meditate, you're likely to be 20% more productive. So you get that time back plus. And I see, I personally feel, and I've got no scientific evidence for this, but I certainly feel coaching is the same thing. You take the time out, but you get the investment back. So find that buddy, find that partner, find somebody who, you can have those curious conversations with. And maybe people listening to this might work in organisations that have coaching programmes where they can reach out to a coach. But it hasn't got to be someone trained. It's just got to be someone who can hold space for you, ask a meaningful question that just
1: allows you to unload what you're feeling at that time. And that's such an important point, Sophie. Thank you for highlighting that. Because I think very often the, the supposition is, oh, I need to employ a a coach or a mentor or somebody who's trained in this. Maybe I need to go and see the EAP or, um, you know, do something different. And we forget that just being able to sit and actively listen to what is being shared and to hold that space can move mountains, metaphorically speaking, to (laughs) enable you to then sort of, Clear that brain fog and all of a sudden you've worked it out for yourself. And, and how good is that? And and I love the idea of a coachable moment. I think that's absolutely superb. And we can all do that. And you don't mm. need to have a degree in whatever or mm. you know, certificate that says you are eligible to do this, that and the other. It's it's about showing up as a human being and showing that you care. Mm-hmm.
2: In fact, Jenny, what you've just said, it's, it's reminded me of, of some additions I can make to this in that, Um, we've got different representational systems of how we take in information, how we learn information, but also how we project that information out to the world. And quite often when I talk about coaching, there's a group of people in a workshop or a webinar that will recoil (laughs) at the idea (laughs) of doing that. And part of that is actually maybe being vocal is not part of their representational system. So actually talking to someone may not play to to who they are how they want to express that so I guess my other addition to kind of bolster my answer to this question is journaling is an incredibly helpful way of doing this and I mean there's lots of questions you two or three questions you could ask yourself what's coming up for me right now how am I feeling what's the biggest challenge for me what do I need what do I want If I'm saying yes to what's going on for me right now, what am I saying no to? You've only got to pick two or three questions, pick up a pen and just write. So for those people that aren't in that vocal space and don't want to share that, maybe don't have that psychological safety, they've got all the resources to coach themselves anyway. You've just got to think through what do I need to ask myself right now? And then something beautiful will come out on the page so yes that's my addition to that I
1: guess (laughs) wonderful and I think that self-awareness piece is something that is inherently vital to us anyway Mm. um, whether we're using it purely for for curiosity or or in uh, in other aspects of our work life but I think Mm. what you've just highlighted there is so pertinent thank you so much
0: I love this. we've we've accidentally gone through getting curious on an organizational level, getting curious on like a team and managing level and getting curious on an individual level. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is absolutely if I had written what we should talk about, I definitely would have said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The other thing I heard in in the conversations which I just wanted to call out was like there's a sense of creating I wrote organizational vulnerability that sense of safety comes when you have, I don't want to, it's not blurry guidelines, but it feels like, like padding, padded guidelines, right? Like it's safe to bounce against the wall, right? You don't smash into a brick wall. Actually, there's a bit of foam or a bit of, you know, so you can, Oh, yep. So course, correct. And, and we can do that kind of for ourselves in what you've described Sophie when you said that about people journaling for themselves I was just thinking about sometimes I like to chat I quite often chatted with people especially over the pandemic would that be could someone offer those coaching moments you know in a team's chat message or a whatsapp chat like is that still gonna get people that yeah
2: yeah I think, do you know what, Sarah, anything goes, any rules go here. I mean, for for goodness sake, you could pick up some colouring pencils and just draw it out. Like, it doesn't matter in what way, shape or form this happens. And actually, mm. I know during the pandemic, there was a real shift in how counselling services were being provided to people here in the UK, where you didn't actually have to physically be in front of a counsellor. You didn't even have to be on a Zoom call like we are now. It was happen yeah. over Messenger. And counsellors were helping people out over just messenger conversation. So, and obviously we're not talking about counselling now. We're we're talking about more um, coaching side of things. But I don't think any, there's no rules around this. Curiosity curiosity is boundless. There's no rules around how we can be curious. And I think even if that manifests itself in doing something tactile, doing something with your hands, It it doesn't matter as long as you are able to step into that synergy of really checking in with yourself. If it's a team meeting, checking in with your team in whatever guise that looks like. And like you said, on that organisational level, you're doing those check-ins as well. So, Sarah, anything goes. There's no rules on this when it comes to curiosity. I think Mm -hmm. it's just Mm -hmm. you have to be in the right place to receive the answer. Be prepared for that because there's no point asking a question. Again, like I said, if you're not open to hearing what the response might be and taking action with that. Nice. So there's, I guess there's two more steps attached to that curiosity because otherwise we just end up teaching ourselves that questioning doesn't really result in, a, in it being a useful tactic for us.
1: And that's especially true, isn't it, Sophie? If you've asked the question and then the answer that you found doesn't suit you because you don't like the idea of what the actual answer is then yeah it's it's not going to be helpful is it so how how do you teach people how to be more open to receiving the news whether it's good or bad when they've they've been more curious to explore this thing
2: it's really interesting for me Jenny so I'm an NLP practitioner so neuro-linguistic programming and one of the things that we're trained to do as, as coaches is to have this sensory acuity to kind of watch everything that's going on in that curious moment. And it's quite interesting that, Jenny, if I was to ask you a question and you gave me an answer, but your body language wasn't congruent with what you were saying, i like, it's really interesting that Jenny said, Oh, actually, I'm feeling quite excited about the weekend but everything about your body language shifted when you said that <laughs> then and sometimes it's obvious and sometimes it's more nuanced with that i think there's there's so much to be said around you checking in with your own congruency of what you've just said have you just said something to please the person who's asked the question or are you actually saying something that is meaningful? And you'll feel it, you know, you're those of us that are very kinesthetic will feel that, no, that didn't feel right. <laughs> and that's curiosity again, checking in with your body and going, oh, why did I just say that? So I think there is this piece around when we answer a question, checking in with the congruency, how much do we actually agree with what we're saying? And as a coach, I will often say, oh, Jenny, can I just share with you what I've just noticed? These are the words you've just shared with me, but your eyes disappeared into the back of it. Your face dropped, your smile went. So I'm hearing excited, but I'm not seeing excited. Mm. And when I feed that back to you, you go, well, actually, the truth is, I feel like I have to go to this event. Or I feel like I have to meet this deadline when actually the truth is I don't really want to do it. So, and that's then when we really start to open up the beauty of curiosity because then we're really checking in with heart, mind, body and soul. Everything is working in line with each other and we're, we're being truthful and honest to ourselves rather than trying to, what we perceive is give the answer that the person who's asked the
1: question wants to hear. Beautiful. Thank you. Mm.
0: I want to just add one thing on to that because quite often my initial reaction and as like an, a, a mostly introvert, well, I, I say mostly, slightly more introvert than extrovert. Sometimes I hear the question and I have that disconnect with it and I have to go away It's not that moment is not when I can process it. So just sometimes if that's happening and then you walk away and you think, oh, actually, I wasn't truthful. I didn't this. There's something else going on. It might take a bit longer for some people than others. So I just wanted to call that out because it often often it's like two days later when my when my aha moment lands. And I think, Mm -hmm. oh, that's what was going on there.
2: so true and I think that totally goes back to the point where you ask if you're in a space where you're asking questions you hold the space and when mm. I say hold the space it could be you hold the space for two three minutes for that person or you hold the space for two weeks but like the holding of the space is I've asked you the question now it's over to you and when you're ready I am here to listen to, to the response and so it's not time bound which I think is such a shame in organisations that we work at such a pace They're like, I need an answer from you now. When can I have an answer from you? Can you give me a day? And so because we work like that, we feel like we have to be the same when someone asks us something, actually, that we need to step back and really condense and let it land. Um, and I think because of that, we leave some really deep, meaningful, truthful responses behind And we just go with something and run with it because I know I can respond to that now. And in fact, Sarah, sometimes we respond and push it back quickly because it's uncomfortable for us and we want to push it away and we don't want to have to do the internal work. And I'm not just saying this from a personal perspective. It works exactly the same at team level and organizational level. You quickly ask the question. You quickly get the answer back and go, oh, thank God that's done with. Rather. (laughs) I love this. With your your shoulders up while you're doing that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. because I've seen it being done in organizations too, where we don't really want to check in with our people because we know what they're going to say. But we have to be seen to be doing something. So we're going to throw something out there. But we're not going to give you very long to respond and think about it. I'm going to take it away from you quickly and then, okay, that's done. Panic over. We've got the response we needed. And so it's happening at all levels where we're doing it on an individual level, doing it in a team level and doing it on a higher organisational level. If you're going to be curious, you've got to hold the space for the real truthful, meaningful answers to come back. otherwise, again, it's one of these sticky plasters going over a scar, and it's never going to heal like
0: that. So, yeah, that's so that's so important, isn't it? Because in this world of like continuous results and continuous achievement and chasing profits and everything like that, you have to be prepared for when you ask that question, you know, if this is your big, long list to talk about, you have to be prepared for what that person comes back with and then to take this and put it to the side that, you know, but organizational operationally team and individually, right. Sometimes we need to get into a meeting and take that agenda and what we're trying to achieve and just have the space to put it aside. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Wow. This is so good. Um, I'm conscious of time because we stole your time this morning. (laughs) I wanted to finish. Maybe Jenny, um, you might have something, but I wanted to know what are the questions people should be asking more of? What can our listeners walk away from here today?
2: Well, going back to Simon Sinek, you know, he always says start with why. And so in coaching practice, as as coaches, we're told not to use the why question, but I'm a bit rebellious with that. So I'm going to wholeheartedly start (laughs) with a why And I think it's questioning why am I doing this or why are we doing this? Why do I feel the way I feel? Why am I here? Why am I contributing to this organisation? Why am I doing this piece of work? What does it mean for me? So I think why is actually it comes with so much power, actually. Rather than remove it from a conversation, put it put it in the dialogue, because why is also a a question that validates your understanding of something. And if we're unsure of something, we should be asking. So, can I just check? Why are we doing this again? So, can I just mm. check <laughs> yeah, that that kind of if you're not if you're not congruent with the reason why you're doing something, then the outward product is not going to be. The intended outward product is going to be something completely different. So I think the why is really important. And I think we should jump to that before we do anything else. And so you'll know I'm a big fan of what I call the fundamental purpose question, which for me is a question that underpins every action that you take in your life. And if I share my fundamental purpose question, it's, is this going to be working towards achieving my fullest potential? So if I take on a client and I ask myself that question, is this going to be working towards me achieving my fullest potential? And I ask that and I'm like, oh, no, this is going to take me further away from that. The answer is no, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to Mm -hmm. take on that work. In the same way we should be speaking about that in our careers and the jobs we're choosing to do and the choices we make and what we do in our teams, is this taking us closer towards our team's fundamental service question or purpose question? Organisationally, the decisions you make around your behaviours and your culture. If you've got five values and behaviours in your organisation, let's say it's respect, fairness, integrity. Well, every day you should be questioned and when you're about to make any kind of decision, is this taking me towards or further away respect? Is this taking us closer towards fairness or further away from fairness? If we're making redundancies, is the way we're choosing to do it taking us closer towards integrity or further away from integrity? So, You've got your why's, but you've also got this having this fundamental purpose question exists for ourselves individually, the choices we make in our lives, the choices we make in our teams and the reason our team exists and the choices organisations make.
0: That's my,
2: mm. my parting gift, I guess. I <laughs> love <laughs> right.
0: that. And that fits so well, doesn't it, Jenny, with the conversation we had about prioritisation, right? So Sophie, mm. your curiosity questions really will help people who are looking at how that factors into all sorts of things. Uh, most importantly, taking care of those people who work with us. Thank you so much. You've provided so much gold um, and distilled
1: so many great ideas in such a short time frame I really thank you from the bottom of my heart and I know from Sarah's heart too for sharing your knowledge and your expertise in this way for our for our listeners because I think we can all take so much away and seek to nurture that curiosity Mm-hmm. Uh, in a in a in a more holistic way at every level. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I hope we can have another conversation with you again another time. Would love that. So thank you. I'll
2: be more than happy to. Jenny, thank you so much for having me. Jenny and Sarah, it's been an absolute pleasure. You know I love wax lyrical in on uh, curiosity. <laughs> so it's it's been a wonderful way to spend my morning. So thank you so much for holding space for me to answer answer your curiosity on this subject.
1: So thank you. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, thank you to our listeners for joining us on today's session. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation with, with Sophie. And, of course, we'd love to hear from you as well. What are your thoughts about curiosity? How does that show up in your life and in your workplace? We'd love to hear your thoughts. And so that's it from us today. Looking forward to being with you next time. And until then... Bye
0: for now. Bye! Bye!
1: Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. We hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we did recording
0: it. And you can always get involved in the well-being conversation at all of our social links in the show notes. Until next time, stay safe, stay happy and thrive in whatever you do.